1: of death and grief each week i talk to a different person about their experiences of grief and death as we remember someone that they have lost along the way whether it was a long time ago or you've just joined the club welcome to griefcast Hey Greasters, hope you're having an okay week wherever you are. It is now getting very cold and dark in the Northern Hemisphere. I hope you're doing okay with the lack of sunlight if you're listening from the Northern Hemisphere. Um, and we're approaching, you know, festival times, family times, So yeah, I just hope everyone is hanging in there. Um, I know it sounds cheesy, but light candles. That genuinely has helped me through many a dark season just to light candles and remember that. This too shall pass. Um, a bit of admin as ever a reminder my book launch is on January the 17th at Earth in Hackney in London if you want to come and see the amazing Fee Glover interview me about grief and death and writing uh, the book and we'll obviously be chatting about her perspective on it all as well you can head to Fane Productions F-A-N-E to get tickets for January the 17th the book is out on January the 19th please do pre-order if you would like to buy it really does help authors in that first week of sales and if you do pre order and you upload your proof of purchase, um, you can get a free pin badge designed by Jade Perkin, who did our amazing Griefcast logo. All the information is on the social media at The Griefcast on Twitter and Instagram. Do tweet or DM me if you can't find any of these links, and I will help you find them. Thank you so much for listening. This week I'm talking to a truly inspirational person Layla F Saad. Layla is an author, a speaker, a teacher who specializes on the topics of race, identity, leadership, personal transformation and social change. Now, the reason you may have heard of Leila is she wrote an incredible book called Me and White Supremacy. It came out in you know, paper form in 2020, but it was available as a download before that uh, off her Instagram page. And it just grew and grew and grew because her writing and the things that she's saying are so worth reading and worth understanding. Um, so she wrote the incredible book Me and White Supremacy. And there is also a young adult version as well, Me and White Supremacy for um, if you have someone young in your life who wants to understand anti-racism and racism and how it works she is such an amazing person and this chat is a little bit different I suppose to traditional grief cast we're kind of really talking just about grief and yeah and how we can help each other and connect with each other and I really appreciated Layla giving me her time and the work that she's doing is extraordinary really sincerely recommend reading her book and I know that it's not an easy topic to face and it's not a simple thing to break down but Layla has done the work so the least we can do is is do the work back to help and read her book and follow her on social media and see what she's doing um so here is Layla in her own brilliant way So, Layla, who are we remembering today? Top of mind
2: for me are two uncles that we lost um, who passed in the last two years. Okay. Uh, the first is my mum's brother. So my mum, both of my parents come from ver- very big families. They have a lot of siblings. But this brother is the first of the siblings to pass.
1: Uh, OK, yeah.
2: Right. So it kind of just sent... Shocks of like ripples throughout the whole family. And I think for my mom and me witnessing her as her daughter in the firstborn was seeing her really understanding like now my generation is at the age where we are starting to pass on. Yeah. You know, and I think that was really, it was really hard for her, really hard for her siblings. And as her child, just hard to witness because I couldn't imagine. Being in the position in the time where my brothers and I are at that age, mm. you know.
1: When did he? When did he die? Was it? You said a couple it was of years during ago. the
2: fir- yeah. So it was 2020 during the year of the pandemic, but it was not from COVID, mm. and that was really hard. I think on on his family as well. And again, I don't want to kind of speak for them, but it meant that there was a delay in dealing with things to do with his death because right. the priority was the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of grief upon grief. And it was a time he was uh, living, he lives in the UK. And so it was a time as well when it was that, you know, the highest levels of lockdown as yeah, well. Yeah. So it was very, and we're all the way over here in Qatar, my family's very spread out, right? So I'm in Qatar with my family, I have family in Oman, I have family in, um, in Tanzania, and family in Wales, and in yeah. England. So It was all very spread out, all experiencing this collective grief and also Mm. all very separated and isolated because of the pandemic.
1: Yeah, that's hard, isn't it? Because when you do have I've got family over the place and it's it's a hard reminder when something hard happens, like how far yes. away you are. Because I think we live in, you know, technology and you can speak to people, you can text them and you feel in contact. And I definitely felt when lockdown happened and I had um, family, they're just, you know, they aren't round the corner. They, You can't get to them, you can't. And then it right. was illegal to get to them. It was like, right. I'm not allowed, the government won't let me get to you. That you suddenly realise, oh, we are far away, aren't we? And that's a kind of a strange feeling as well that and it's funny because I think sometimes we think it's new like oh Mm -hmm. now we now people live in different places but we've always done this people have always moved and traveled and lived in different places it's just yeah I think the technology allows us uh to kind of I don't know perhaps lie to the narrative slightly of like oh no we I am round the corner and then yeah when like you said when a death happens it's like oh I'm I'm not, am I? I can't pop no. over. Like how does that feel? And yeah. And is your mum in Qatar as well? Is she in mm-hmm. the UK? Oh, she's in Qatar. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you were both yeah. far we away the- from yeah. yeah.
2: So we were here together and and we're very close with my parents, so you know, we were we were together and yeah. a- again as the eldest and the only daughter, you know, I'm watching her navigate this, trying to hold space for her really not understanding because I've no lived experience to know what this even feels like. Mm. Just pure devastation um, and just trying my best to be there for her and also remembering remembering him. And I remember the last time that I had that we had uh, been in contact with each other, so I actually hadn't seen him since I was a kid, mm. but I remember him very fondly, and through the years, he would message me every now and then, and just tell me how proud he was of me, and the last message that I had of him was a message where he said he'd been watching, he, he lived in the UK, as I said, he'd been watching Sky News, and he said, you just came on the TV, and you we were just <laughs> there, you know? and he said, I just want you to know how proud we are of you, and the work that you're doing, and you know, that's the last message that I have of him is him just really affirming, you know, how much he how proud he was of me and how proud the family are of me. And that meant a lot to me.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. What an amazing thing to have when it when it does come to grief that you're like, well, yeah. that connection was still there. That love was yeah. still there. How was it with your with your mum then? Did you feel that kind of um what's the word I'm looking for? Like that slip where the parent suddenly needs you to be strong. And you're kind of like, oh, hang on. No, I'm the one who gets the attention and I'm the one who gets to be the need. Um, Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, my mum has always been, she's very much like a strong African woman. You know, she's very strong um, and is the one in her family that people turn to when there's an issue, even though she's not one of the eldest Mm. at all. She's one of the younger ones, but she just has that constitution of, you know, we we will pull things together and we will figure things out. So she still showed up in that way, but for her siblings, but we're here with her in real time. So we know what re- what she's really going through. So it was then and then also my 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 other uncle, who is my aunt's so my mom's sister's husband. Right. Yeah. So not a blood related uncle, but very much a part of our family. And that also hit her very hard because he wasn't just an in-law to her. She actually, they grew up together. Oh wow. Um, He helped raise her. And so it felt like for her, I think it it was the shock of my sister has lost her husband. How will, I can't imagine what it will be like when I lose my husband or yeah. my husband loses me and also that this person wasn't just an in-law but felt like another brother yeah. to her felt like almost like a father to her uh, and her father passed away many years ago Um but it was it was again this huge huge shock and like I was saying she's a very strong woman but in these moments you know, she she was completely broken, broken down. And, and I did have to mother her mm-hmm. in those moments and kind of switch roles and kind of be. And I remember she was fasting the day it was Ramadan. So we were fasting. We're Muslim. And um, I just tell her you need to break your fast. Yeah. You need to eat something. You need to eat something. And she said, no, I can't. I've got to finish the fasting day. And I said, you are going to collapse. Mm-hmm. You need to eat something right now. Right. And so my brother was was visiting from the UK and he was he was with me and he was like, Yeah, you need to eat something. We gave her some dates and some water and just, you know, helped her to breathe and
1: Oh, that's so know, hard to have that happen in the middle
2: of very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I think that the kind of not silver lining, but the I don't even know what the languaging is for it, but you know, we have this Understanding in Islam that those who pass during the month of Ramadan, that that is actually a very big blessing mm. because it's the holiest month in our year. And so while you're holding the grief of losing someone, you're also grateful that this is the time that they passed in. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it was tough. And, and you know, so again, for the whole family, she was able to go that day because in Islam, we bury the bodies straight away yeah yeah right so the grieving process is very like rushed like yeah. it's we, we don't keep the body out we the same day or as soon as possible you know we, we do that and so she I don't remember if she made it for the funeral but she was there that same day she was there very very quickly and I had to you know I had to pack her things i had to like you know make sure that she had everything she needed because she just couldn't she couldn't think straight yeah and we have in islam when somebody passes away we have these days where after the funeral you know you go and visit the family who have lost um their loved one and it lasts lasts for a number of days and my uncle was somebody who was very well known and very well respected he lived in oman And so you had a lot of people just Mm. so many people coming to pay their respects coming to show their support um and it's it really is like a in islam it's not something that's kind of nice to do it really is actually a duty that Mm. you have if you know this person you must go and pay your respects, no matter whether you knew them because they were your friend or because they were someone you work with, you know. So whatever the case may be, you have to go and show your respect. And I really appreciate that part of, you know, my faith that it really is about the community. Hmm. It's about showing up and honoring the grieving and honoring the loss and. It's, I don't know, like when I, I kind of have a mental block of when I start thinking about it for me, my family, my, my brothers, because we're so much younger mm-hmm. than, um, my mom's generation. But I know that when our time comes, that's those same practices that we'll be taking part in, but just thinking about it. it <laughs> and yeah. you know, my work is about becoming a good ancestor. So I keep this, um, mindfulness around like, you know our time is not infinite mm. and we will be gone at some point but i think it's it's human nature to hold that as a almost like a theory like we know you yeah. know yeah but the reality of it is is hard to to hold and so we push it away
1: yeah definitely and i think like you said it it just depends on your relationship to grief and because so my dad died when i was 15 so you know the the joke I always say is like you know I just I got to the club early (laughs) like I'm at the party before everyone else and I'll put the chairs out put some twiglets out like and for me it's something that I I find hard to not to to rest from because it's something that's like burned in early of like this is what happens death is so present and I have to work on like not going to happen every day it's okay you can like but I know from you know talking to so many people the same thing that if you if you don't have it if you don't have that you know someone die really young really close to yeah. you then it is it is theoretical and it is like oh yes I know I should think about that um yeah. and it's funny isn't it because yeah it's it's easy to to keep it at a safe distance until you know until it's not and you see someone in pain like you had with your mom and and having to rush and i think it's interesting what you're saying about islam and the paying respect so i know that i've had other guests especially in irish culture that's a huge thing mm. like you you know mm-hmm. you go to the wake and i've spoken to so many irish people who've like it doesn't matter how little you knew them you go to the funeral right right and the same in jewish culture as well well obviously they sit shiver and they go around mm-hmm. and and as someone who you know was brought up like proper like church of englanders and like not really (laughs) like that very loose we don't have that when it comes to funerals you know like you can have a small funeral because people just feel like oh i didn't know them well enough like they don't want to be rude so i do right i don't want to turn up how rude of me whereas my my irish friends are like No, I mean, if you met them once, you go to the funeral like that. Right, right. (laughs) And I had a situation recently. A friend had lost someone in her family. And our Irish friend was like, well, I'm coming to the funeral. And she was like, no, no, it would be weird if you came. And she was like, no, no, but I, you know, I met them once at your party. She was like, no, no, all my family would think it was strange. Like we would be weirded out. And then we would all be on edge of like, oh, we have to be nice to this because we don't know, you know. And it was really interesting, that cultural thing of like... But I think, like you said, I I do wish we had more of a fixed structure because I do think it helps that immediate aftermath mm. of like, mm. okay, this is mm-hmm. what we're doing today. All the people are coming. They're all yeah. going to do this. They're all going to yes. remember them. And I think we don't. have, Ours is so loose and the structure so vague that often it seems like, oh, should we do that? Is it like right? And that adds that adds stress, yes, right, yeah, to yeah, that yeah, moment
2: yeah. Right? because for us it's kind of like drop everything and go we just know this is what's happening yeah but i can imagine but i i also understand you know the other perspective of kind of like well you know this is a really intimate moment so we don't want people who didn't necessarily know them to be here in this really intimate um and vulnerable moment you know but yeah it's 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 really interesting how different cultures do things differently yeah
1: and i definitely think I definitely think I do the Irish way of at least being like funerals not being a big deal. I think it's quite Mm. helpful of like, yeah, you go, you knew them, you went. And I think I've met people who've got to like, you know, their late 40s and they haven't been to a funeral. And that to me is like, how have you managed that? (laughs) Because I've been to so many, but also I can under, then it becomes very scary. And then your own mortality becomes very scary because you're like, oh, it's all over there. Like, I don't want to oh, I don't know. I've never been to, I've never seen a dead body. I've never seen something go into the ground. And, um, that part of the process, you know, like you said, it, it's going to happen. It's not, not going to happen to all of us. So it's, um, yeah, I wonder, so how are you feeling about your, (laughs) that's a big question, but the podcast, like your own mortality, are you feeling like Mm. it's kind of woken up something that you didn't really want to think about despite you said like you know you do this good ancestor work so it's like right. the two truths are fighting each other at the same time I always say
2: like I'm here to become a good ancestor but I'm not ready to be an ancestor yet And I hope, yeah, I, yeah, live, yeah. <laughs> I, hope I live a very long and deep and full and expansive and meaningful life um and that's the perspective that I try to To keep is that I'm here for living, and when I'm living, I want my living, whatever time I have here, to be to be well lived, to be intentionally lived. I think that the again, just bringing that influence of Islam into my life and the way that my parents taught us as well it's like we we do have we fully have a perspective, fully have a perspective and an understanding that this life is is limited, Mm -hmm. right? And the way that they have role modeled to us and the way I've even seen it when we've showed up for that wake, right? When we yeah. go and visit, whether it's family or friends is that, you know, you'll say, I'm really sorry for your loss. And they say, it's okay. We they're trying to reassure you that they're yeah, okay. Yeah. And it comes from a place of not trying to be polite. It's really of we accept as Muslims that This is the natural course of things. Mm. And for us to be angry about it or to be in denial is to deny what we believe.
1: Yeah.
2: Right. So one of the things that we immediately say when we hear somebody is past is this phrase, from God we come and to God we return.
1: That's lovely.
2: Right. So when you hear somebody's past, that's the first thing that you say. From God we come and to God we return. And it's this immediate acceptance that this is not a, this may be a painful thing. Mm. This may be something that is horrific. But we all understand that this is what being a human being means Mm. that we, we are born, and we die. Right. And it feels very like, black and white, but it it is there's Mm. nothing that we can actually do about that. If we're here, we had no choice in being born and when we go we have no choice that at some point we're going yeah so my parents have always role modeled that messaging and that accepting that acceptance to us but and at the same time it terrifies me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> right this and at it. the same time it's like Last year, oh, sorry, this year we were on vacation in the UK. So my parents, myself, and we visited my two brothers who live there and we celebrated Eid in Bristol with my youngest brother and his family. They've just recently had their first child. So we all got to be together for Eid. It's been years since we were all together as yeah. a family for Eid. So all the kids, all the grandkids, like it was amazing. And, you know, my mum... At the, you know, we'd finished eating and she was like, I want us to have a very serious conversation. I was like, what is happening? It felt like an intervention. And she was like, your dad does not want to write his will and he needs to write it and you guys need to talk to him about it. Wow. Right? yes and so we had a we had a we had a conversation about that right and I said when we get back and I haven't done it yet and I think that's the part of me that's trying to be in denial but I said you and I are going to sit down and we're going to write this all down Mm. and you know my dad is very he's very much like a He's like a stoic, so he doesn't, he's not hyper emotional or anything like that. Yeah. He's very accepting of how things are. But I do think that deep down inside, this is something that he's
1: trying to put off. Yeah. Um, if, I, I, if I write it, it will happen. Yeah. So like, you know if, what I, I mean? if I don't write it, like, it makes it, it more real. Yeah. I, it'll know? never happen. Yeah.
2: Right. It just makes it more real. But as I'm getting older and, you know, I'm, I'm also at that age where I keep thinking about like, gosh, like I'm almost 40, like, when my mom was almost 40, how old was I
1: Yeah.
2: and what was I thinking of her? You know, cause I have a 12 year old, my my mom and I had our first child around the same age. So, you know, around the time that I was 12 and I remember being 12, I remember thinking my mom was like all knowing, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so grown, knows yeah. everything about herself in the world. And I'm like, I'm still like trying to figure it out. And I have kind of, um, reverse compassion
1: (laughs) (laughs) yes lots of conversations with with my mom of like sorry about that actually it's uh (laughs) now I'm here I see that's quite annoying she was like yeah right yeah it is right like yeah (laughs) only now I'm here though that's it took me all this time to get here yeah Yeah. it's hard and I think mortality is difficult for people you know it is difficult for people especially if like you know like you said your immediate circle is is all still here then yes. you all kind of i think everyone gets into that like la 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 yes. <laughs> let's just not think about yeah. it yeah
2: and i'm i'm really um grateful and fortunate to have both my parents still alive both quite healthy mm. i mean they have various you know health things but they take really good care of themselves um You know, my mom's recently had a knee replacement surgery and that's to give her, you know, you know, more quality time with this leg. Right. For for many years to come, hopefully. And so, again, it's like time is really weird because, Mm -hmm. you know, you could lose someone really young as you you have done. You know, you could lose someone that's at our age now. You could lose someone and they're they've lived like a very, very long life. And I think no matter when it happens, it still is catastrophic,
1: yeah, yeah,
2: you know it's it's still like I can't believe that person's not gonna just not gonna be here, yeah anymore, but i I yeah, I think just to, to go back and answer your question about how I cope with it, I think the way that that I try to to think about it is let me I don't get to choose when my time is. Mm. None of us do. So with the time that I have, like, let me try and give it my all. Right. And that means like that means loving on my people. Mm-hmm. Right. That means loving on myself. Right. Like I can't wait to say, well, I'll get to a certain age and then I'll have a good relationship with myself. Mm-hmm. Like I, I need to figure this thing out now. right? <laughs> um, let me do work and spend my time on things that matter to me so that whenever I go, whenever that is, I'll always wish we had more time
1: yeah
2: but when that time does come that I hope more often than not I spent it in ways that I would look back and say I'm
1: glad I did that I'm glad I showed up in that way oh my goodness yeah I mean like the legacy you've already created I think is incredible so and Thank obviously you. you know you're still going you're continuing you're not stopping that work so to carry on that process is yeah, I guess. I guess what I'm saying is, like, when it happens daily, you can you can be like, yeah, you you did good. You <laughs> like don't, don't worry. No one's gonna be like, what did she do? Mm, what can we say? Like, it's not it's not that situation. No. Really. she was. You know,
2: yeah. I I appreciate that, but I do think that, um, and I'm grateful for that. You know, I I I truly am because I think that was. Being able to have that kind of impact was something that had been sitting inside of me for a very long mm. time. Like I think I'd always known I am here to have an impact in a bigger way. I just didn't know what that way was. Yeah, yeah. Um, and me and white supremacy isn't really something that I even, cre- it created, it was like it came through me. Mm. And then I said, yes, okay, I'll, I'll do this i'm now in a part of my life where i'm building a business and a legacy and i'm like no this is what i want to do yeah. i want it to look like this i want it to be like this and so i'm grateful for the legacy that i've already created but we we never reach a point where it's like
1: okay and that's
2: it you yeah. Yeah, I mean? yeah, 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 you never feel like
1: oh it's done like it's never like it's done, okay right? ding, come out the <laughs> oven that's finished everybody's ready time to eat and then I'm I won't make it again exactly. like yes yeah yeah, yeah. exactly it's yeah. um yeah I think that's what you can do in life really is wait for listen to that thing mm-hmm. that you said is trying to come through you because I think a lot of us do have that of like what is it what is it what is it it's something yeah. listen yeah. listen listen which takes years and years and years and yeah. then when when you do know put it out there and then ke- and keep going as I there was a yeah. great quote um I think it's from The Artist's Way where it was like, it's from The Artist's Way or somewhere else where it was like, you, you, can't, you can't just wait for the bus. Like you have to run for the no. bus. You can't just like right. sit at the bus stop and be like, oh, right. it's like, if you see it, you've got, there it is, that's your bus. Go, 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 go. And I thought, yeah, yeah. that's a really like, it, there's some active work that needs to happen. And then once that has happened, like you said, what you've done yeah. with me and white supremacy, it started, as you said, it's such a ground roots thing and then has built and built and built and built. Yeah. That to be able to sit back and go, wow, like this is yeah. a big change I've made.
2: I, oof, with me, with me and white supremacy. So that sentence that you just said, this is the big change I've made, and it's like, yes, I own my part, but I'm also really clear and increasingly every year more clear that we don't we don't do anything alone. Mm. We're not he- we're not designed to do things alone. Yeah. Right. And and so the phase that I'm in now where I'm building this business, the part that gives me the most joy is being able to build it with a team. With me and white supremacy, I had a team as in I had the support of my my husband, my family, my friends. But a lot of it was me. Yes. <laughs> in yeah, the, yeah. You know what I mean? At yeah. the front. Right. Taking the hits, doing mm. the work. And it took and it took a toll. On oh, my me.
1: goodness, I can imagine. You yeah. know,
2: it, it took an incredible toll on me. And there was also a lot of grief mm. through that process of creating something meaningful and something impactful. And um, I never want to bypass or skip over grief because it's a natural part of our human experience. I think, you know, toxic positivity is mm. very dangerous. But I can choose how I want to lead Mm. right and I choose to lead with my full humanity and with a sense of joy at the forefront so I'm not gonna like you know I'm I'm like I've I've gone through the cycle of me and white supremacy the quote-unquote success of it and then now I'm in a new cycle of a startup business Mm. and that brings a lot of ups and downs a lot of challenges and all the things that come with it And I want to lead with with joy because coming back to that question of like, how do I want to, how am I thinking about grief? And I'm really thinking about it. It's like, what's the quality of my life? Mm. You know, grief is moments that come to us that were unexpected. We don't wake up and say, you know what? I would really love to feel grief today. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me go and create a a situation of grief for myself, right? (sighs) Um, no, it just shows up. It just
1: shows up. You know, it up. just shows up. Yeah. So it's
2: going to show up regardless, right? I don't have to go looking for it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't have to put myself in situations where I'm, and this is what I felt through the Mean White Supremacy work, was in order for it to be what it is, I had to put myself in a firing line. Yeah. And so grief was a part of my existence because I felt like this... Let me take this hit now so that it will serve others later. Mm. And I don't regret, you know, the choices that I made around that. But I also know that it had impacts on my mental and physical well-being that would not allow me to live a long, full life if I kept going in that way. Mm. And that's why so I choose to live with joy at the forefront because that is more sustainable for me as a change maker. And that will allow me to... Have a bigger impact um, and a longer-term impact
1: as well. I think that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I think to be able to to say that after the what in the world we live in is very commendable. Without sounding, I hope it doesn't sound patronising, but to be able to, to lead with joy, I think is a re- like you said. I guess is a is a choice and a mindset. With Carrie Adloyd. For people who don't know, the book, and there is a, a young adult version and there is an adult version, but it came mm-hmm. through an unusual way. Um, of yeah. like it was you were writing on social media, on Instagram, and then you made a workbook that was downloadable yeah. for people. Hundreds yeah. and thousands of people downloaded it, and then it sort of got packaged into a book, which then became a bestseller. So, as you said, yeah. you really were at the forefront. And this is, again, I guess it's worth mentioning this is pre the murder of george George floyd pre the black lives matter huge this is a a
2: time when when talking about the words white supremacy Mm. was like (gasps) right like it wasn't in the like lexicon like it wasn't it obviously it had been i I don't want to um, I don't want to give the impression like I invented it or anything no, like but it, that, it right? meant
1: something very specific I think people white supremacy meant like you know southern states kkk like it was something like oh it's a very extreme and it doesn't right. relate to anybody else now it's gone it's basically gone I think right that would right. be I think that, unless you
2: were unless you were in academic circles yeah. unless you were in activism work unless you were in yeah we're in those spaces i think to most people they would hear the word white supremacy like i remember we were doing the white me and white supremacy challenge and um people were posting like white people were posting on their own pages about the reflections they were doing each day and you could see their friends commenting and saying, "But I don't think you're a white supremacist. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that you're racist. I don't think that yeah. you need to do this work, right?" And and now people are like, "Oh, like there's there's been a lot more books out. There's yeah. been a lot more events that have happened, right? Uh, there's been a lot more speaking out loud yeah. about the ways that these things are showing up across industries." that people now are like, okay, I get what this is. They're not accusing me of being a white supremacist, yeah. right? But back then, no, it was it was very different.
1: And it's such a short period of time yeah. for things to change so drastically. It is really short. And I think that's something that, again, that technology thing as well, of like the, yeah. the speed at which it has moved and the speed at which, yeah, like you said, that phrase has become... M- means different things now. Like, I don't think I still, obviously, there's still a lot of work to do, a lot. Yeah. But I think mm-hmm. I do remember when, you know, I started following you on Instagram. And I remember again, me and one other friend followed you, and we would talk about it, but privately, because everyone else would be like, What? Our white friends, what do you mean, white supremacy? And me and her had followed you for a while, and we would be like, Oh, okay so like the workbook and I've realized yeah. this and yes I've yeah, realized that yeah. too yes okay okay right. okay we're both okay right okay and it was sort of like yeah a sort of thing of like oh god what is like and and it's not obviously I've got so much work to do so much work to do and uh, and culturally especially in this country in the UK there's a lot a lot of work to do we are not finished as we said it's not finished um mm-hmm. but the fact the speed at which it has become an acceptable conversation for people to be like oh yes okay like I you know all of these like you said the variety of books that are now available yeah it has moved so so fast and I know you, you wanted to talk a little bit about collective grief and I just wondered is, mm. is that like what did you f- feel like you wanted to say about
2: yeah that? I mean I So and I'm taking I'm taking a deep breath because there is so much collective grief. Yeah. Yeah. We are all still living in the experience of a world now where coronavirus exists Mm. and all the people that were lost at the height of the pandemic and all the people who are still dying dying from this virus, the, you know, the climate crisis. The ongoing, you know, the ongoing violence through, uh, you know, systemic racism, transphobia, in the U.S. gun violence, um, to so many different issues, and and so many across so many different countries, so many different issues. Yeah. So I don't want anyone to have the impression that you know we're only talking about one perspective mm. here. Every country is dealing with its thing right or it's things and it feels like we are i was thinking about this the other day it feels almost like we've accepted on some level the inevitability of us heading towards a dystopia
1: Hmm. yeah
2: right yeah yeah right oh i guess the
1: world's ending okay okay right (laughs) like
2: this is this is what's happening and i think that's where grief becomes numbness Mm. And we kind of just accept that this is what's happening. And I think that's really dangerous Mm. because when we accept it, we release ourselves and each other of taking responsibility for what we do in our time here. Mm. And what I know is that those who came before us survived, worked hard, championed, protested, advocated so that we can have the rights and the freedoms that we have today if they in their time had said you know what like this is how it's always going to be so we shouldn't do anything just live our lives and get on with it if the the masses of people had done that we wouldn't even have what we have today
1: yeah it's really interesting to me what you're saying because i think that's where we get the difficulty of, of what the language problem, right? Grief. Because when mm-hmm. someone dies, you do have to accept it. You do have yes. to go, I couldn't do anything. Humans yes. die. Like, I am powerless to this to this world. Yeah. And to to what I am. I'm a human. I will die. This person dies. And And part of grief and part of that process is the acceptance of, like, mm-hmm. that's just what happens. And you can rage and you can cry and you can scream. But there is, you know, there is just a part of it that's just what can you do and then there's this other grief where you're like my world is falling apart like everything I believed in (laughs) doesn't seem to Mm -hmm. exist all the foundations I used to put my feet on aren't there yeah and that's and that's where you need like you said not not an acceptance of like oh well they decide they will tell me how it is that like you said that's where the protesting or the using your voice however you want to use it it doesn't have to be as you say in your book doesn't have to be screaming there's different ways of, of making a difference Absolutely, And it's separating those griefs of like, this isn't like, it's almost like we're like the world died and we're all like, Oh, well it died. Right. What can right. we do? And it's like, it's not dead. It isn't a dead right. person that we have to bury no. and honor right. and walk away from. It's still here and we're all still yeah. here. So yeah, it's trying to help people, I guess, with that process. Like you are feeling a grief for something that's gone, but there yeah. is still something here. It's not the same. Yes and even in that sentence I'm disagreeing with myself because you do have to accept they're gone but then you also accept that you're still alive you're still yeah. here you can still yes. breathe so you right. need to live and that's to say yes. I guess it's a similar thing to what we're saying of like there are these awful things going on awful and it feel you feel so powerless you know I feel yes. it we all feel it like you just wake up and think what can I do <laughs> like mm-hmm. what can I do and it, trying to work out what you can do as you said like those ancestors did of like okay I don't want to be silent I don't want to sit back but it is hard at the moment it's definitely like hard and it's it's very
2: overwhelming you know and this Mm. is why I wanted to create become a good ancestor because I know that there were these, like you said, hundreds of thousands of people who came through an experience like me and white supremacy mm. were activated to create change. And then we're kind of like, uh, what am I supposed to be doing? And they're sort of, spending a lot of energy thinking and acting in ways where they're like, I need to speak out about this. I need to be joining this thing. I need to be giving my money here. I need to be, you know, talking about this. And there's so many issues and then you get burnt out, right? And then you get apathetic and then you're like, uh, I, what's even the point? What can I even do? And, you know, the first thing that we say become a good ancestor, if you go on our website is you don't need to start a revolution You just need to do your part. Mm. Right. And so there's an acceptance of us as human beings being finite beings where we're not omnipotent. We can't we can't fix all things. No, We can do something, though, and that something can really change things. So this podcast, for example, and people who've been listening to it and I know you've done a lot of seasons, right? Like you've reached a lot of people with this podcast. And even if just one person or just 10 people get something from this podcast, that has a ripple effect because everyone they come into contact gets to be impacted by the way that they show up differently when it comes to grief, right? Mm -hmm. And they'll pass on a nugget that they heard or a quote or perspective that can help change that person's life and the ripple effect continues. So we start there with this understanding, like, you don't need to start a revolution. You just need to do your part. And then the second part is you do need to figure out what is my thing that Mm. I'm here to do, right? And for that, we created a self-study course called Claim Your Space because we wanted to help empower change makers to understand there is a space that I can choose to occupy, that I can choose to dedicate my time and energy to, That if I'm focused on that, that is what can be the vehicle for me to do my part Mm. in creating change. And so we one of the major things that people get from taking that course is understanding two things. What is my right work? And what is my right channel? What is it, the work that I'm here to do and how is it that I'm here to do it? And that comes from digging within, you know, and our work is about doing It's the place where we say it's the place where inner work meets social change. Somebody outside of yourself cannot tell you, hey, you should start a podcast on grief. Yeah, 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 yeah.
1: Right? That comes from the strange thoughts. Six years ago, oh, yeah, maybe I would, yeah. Right? That's an internal, yeah, yeah,
2: that's an internal thing. The next thing that often happens is we get really excited. We're doing our right work. We're in our right channel. We're very aware of the issues impacting our world and we're very aware, like I said, that we feel like we're heading towards this dystopia mm-hmm. and we feel like we need to be working harder, faster, more. Um, you said several times in this interview, you know, I know I've got so much work to do. I've got so much work to do. And I think so many of us carry that understanding. And it is true. And if we're not careful, we can very quickly end up in burnout. Yeah. 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 Right. And so that's the next thing that we offer is is a program called Deepen, which is a group healing experience for change makers who are ready to do change making differently. And when I say differently, what I'm saying is it's about changing the paradigm of this belief that in my lifetime, I need to work as hard as I can to undo everything that's come before me.
1: Yeah, like I I'm the person who's gonna <laughs> solve it. It's me. Right. I'm gonna right? change it all, guys, don't worry. I read I read Leila's book and I'm gonna right. do everything. Like yeah, that's it. Uh... That's
2: it. Like I'm gonna use every waking moment, I'm gonna pull from all of my emotions, all of my well being, everything to solve this thing in my lifetime. Yeah. And what we have are change makers who are burnt out, who are not well resourced from within, who end up who end up harming either themselves or other people Mm. because they're not they're not being taken care of and who begin to use the very you know that quote by audrey lord the master's tools will not destroy the master's house like they Mm. are beginning to use the very tools of the systems we're trying to fight to fight the system yeah Which is that hardworking perfectionism, you know, no sense of like compassion or anything. Like, we gotta go, 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 because we gotta fix this thing. And it's like, what's happened to your humanity Mm. in the process?
1: It's so, it's just, you're you're very good, Layla, very good. (laughs) um, (laughs) Because I was thinking about grief and I was thinking, it's just obviously, obviously, I relate everything to grief if it's a similar thing and and I've talked about this so much on the show of like people who are like right I'm gonna grieve I'm gonna get my grieving done I'm gonna do it and then it's done and I'm gonna be okay and rather than going yeah it never goes it never disappears you never don't feel sad about that person that's right you learn to live with it and again I think that's what we're talking about this this collective grief rather than being like I want to see we're in a dystopia so I put my head under the duvet and never look out again it's like it's always been bad. Like that's something I'm trying to, yes. I, I'm trying to remember. Yes. Like it's always been, I keep thinking about like the English civil war and like how, how mad a time that must've been to live through where like, mm-hmm. you know, they just, they just took Christmas away and then they took your the yeah. king and queen away and, and everything you ever knew. Obviously I'm not saying, you know, I'm, I'm not judging any of those things. I'm just saying that's what happened. And, um, and I keep thinking, well, that must have been really scary. It must be really scary yeah. to, can you practice your religion, you know, freely and keep, and yeah. like, be, who can you trust? Like, who's on your side and everything being so binary? This, this, you're either with us right. or against us. And I keep thinking, well, that must and, have been and, really scary. So this, it's yeah. not like it was easier before. It just, you just think it was. No, like,
2: and, it, and also, and that awareness of like, you know, we talk about privilege in, in mean white supremacy. So I, I do think about, you know, for some groups of people like living through enslavement that was a dystopia Mm. already
1: oh my god right yes
2: without any proof that it would ever be different because the very the very kind of foundation that it was laid on was this complete acceptance of this quote-unquote fact Mm. that black people were not human beings that was the absolute that was the belief like that was factual like you know, so why would it be any different? Right. So that was a dystopia. And then you have people who are living today in, you know, war-torn experiences, you know, and that is a dystopia right now. Mm. And then you have people who are going through their own individual dystopias right now because of abusive situations that they may be in, um, traumatic situations that they may be in. And so we have to understand, like, it's not something that, Yes, things are heading in a very bad direction, right? Yeah, no one's denying that. No one's denying that. It doesn't
1: look great right now. Doesn't look good, (laughs) right? We're
2: heading there. And when I think about, especially, um, and I, you know, I want to make clear that I, my, my ancestors were not part of the, um, transatlantic slave Mm -hmm. trade, right? That's not, that's not my background, but I, I really you know, I really do think that we can learn from and understand like they were living th- through a dystopia and they that many of them died and many of them survived. Mm. And even in moments, we're able to th- thrive. And when I say that, I mean, moments of building relationships, experiencing love like those things. Right. And so we have to really understand the place of privilege that we sit at. Mm right now and that if if we're giving up right and there's a lot of privilege that we hold like what does that what does that mean for the future like we have to be doing everything that we can but we also have to be this is the other part right, like the both end we have to be doing everything that we're able to in the life that we have and we have to try not to lose our we have to try not to dehumanize ourselves through that process as well yeah.
1: Yes, <laughs> I'm like yes. I want to clap. I feel like I'm yeah. like yes, yes. <laughs> I want to add things. I'm like, Harry, you don't have anything to add. That would Layla just said it all. That's fine. That's I'm like, oh yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's it's just really interesting. And I, I think and I do, you know, obviously relate back to grief of like you have to feel the pain and and mm. and have it and live. You have to keep on living, like yeah, and surviving and trying to thrive and trying to like you said create something for yourself and that is it's not easy no one's saying it's easy and no one's saying it's like it's it's always joyful but there is joy and and I think what we've been talking about a lot is um something that human beings fight against which is holding two things like two things are true at the same time. Like this is that you know the world is, oh, looks like it's heading off a cliff. But also yeah. there is moments of joy and there is moments still of peace and there's moments of happiness yeah. and and it's always been this way. It's always been this tension. Mm-hmm. It's always mm-hmm. felt like this. And what what are you gonna do? And but yeah. but equally like you, I thought it's so interesting in terms of grief and in terms of life of like don't don't play the system at its own game don't be like well I will defeat it because that's that's how they think that's how we've always lived and like well what do I need to what do I need to burn down and destroy to make it mine and now it's mine and now I'm safe and and you can feel that at the moment so many people are like I need to make my castle my corner safe because I'm not safe because I feel unsafe Rather than going, yes. oh, we all need to hold hands and see each other yes. collectively, and and yes. be like, oh, we're all in this together. But that is, uh, it's scarier than like sort of locking the doors. I think people make, because that's an act that makes you feel I've done something, I did do something, yes. I locked the door, rather than like oh, I kept the door open and I spoke to someone, and I tried to see their point of view and I tried to understand. Like yeah. all of those things are hard. It's like we, we have to um, we have to be
2: more creative in the strategies that we use to try and to try and change the world Mm. and not use the same strategies that are used to create and maintain the status quo. And what I mean by that is and this kind of, I think, links back to grief as well. Like grief is very much an internal Mm. experience, like we're going through it. But we know that when we're able to share our grief with another person, with other human beings, The grief doesn't go away, but something else has the opportunity to come in.
1: Yeah. Yes.
2: Right. We don't get we don't have to be consumed by it forever Mm. in the in the way that it feels like a black hole that has swallowed us and that we live there forever. When we get to share it with others and grieve together, Mm. mourn together, be witnessed, all of those things, like something else has the chance to come in. Yeah. And and I and so I really think about, like, the power of community and kind of linking back to what I was saying about my mom earlier. And I said she's a strong African woman and she's very much that person's like, I can do everything by myself, you know, and I can carry it now. Never really wants to show her vulnerability. But when she when she lost, um you know, when we lost our family members and I got to see her really be vulnerable and really understand, like, she carries a lot, but even she knows mm. I, I can't do this alone, you know, and I really appreciated her letting me in, letting us in and, you know, allowing us to support her in that moment and her understanding, like, I can't do this alone. I need my family. I need my siblings. You know, we, we, we're going to get through this together. And it's just that reminder, like you are to be really, really strong, really resilient mm. and all of that. And you're still going to need other
1: human beings. Sometimes you need someone to tell you to eat the dates. That's right. Sometimes someone needs to say it, like you don't want to say it. Someone you need to someone else to go eat the dates. You know, thank you. I I needed to eat the (laughs) dates. Leila, thank you so much. I could talk to you forever, honestly. Like Mm, it is just so interesting and, and you know, if if you haven't read either version of the book I think either one it, however old you are both of them are, are accessible I and, agree you know, like, actually I, yeah. think,
2: I think both versions I think the I think the young readers edition is actually very good for adults yeah I will yeah, say. I do I was just rereading it this
1: morning and I was like oh it's nice to be talked to and very just really like simple like you're like thank you just for breaking down for me again like what does that mean and what does that like yeah race yeah. versus ethnicity and I was like Oh, God, yeah. sometimes you just need someone to, like, calmly speak to you. <laughs> it's really not nice. Thank you so much for remembering your two uncles today as well and, and sharing your thoughts with us. It was really, really wonderful.
2: Thank you for having me, Carrie. This is wonderful. Thank you.
1: If you want more information about Leila's work, head to laylafsard.com and that is Leila, L-A-Y-L-A-F-S-A-A-D, Sard where you can find out about her books and her work. She also has a podcast, The Good Ancestor Podcast, which is incredible. Um, so yeah, check her out on social media and Instagram and on her website, you can find out more about her there. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Griefcast. The show was edited by Kate Holland. It was recorded remotely in my living room and Layla's living room where she lives in the Middle East. And the artwork was by Jade Perkin. Thank you so much for listening. Really, sincerely appreciate it. I'm going to leave special messages now for the end listeners because I feel like the folks that get here, uh, you deserve it. So, thank you so much. You're amazing. You, I'm astounded every day by how connected and brilliant this podcast makes me feel and makes us all feel. So thank you very much for listening. And remember, you are not alone.
0: Hold up.